I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. Now, we at Fintech Beat not only grapple with front page issues, but we also like to take a peek at what's happening behind the scenes, and in many instances, around the world to get a fresh look at financial technology and where it's going. And today we have the opportunity to do just that by looking at fintech in Central and Latin America. Now, fintech is in this vast region exploding, both in terms of the applications of financial technology to the world of business and in terms of its use by an emerging class of sophisticated digital consumers and clients. And we have three people who are in the thick of it. Ben Savage, a partner at Clock Tower Technology Ventures, which launched the first Latin America financial technology fund. Jonathan Whittle, a founding partner of Quona Capital and a longtime investor in Latin America. And Alejandro Sanchez, the co-author of the LATAM Core Fusion 2020 LATAM FinTech Report. Together, they bring unmatched perspective to the question of FinTech in Latin America, and how both push the boundaries of how one thinks about both technology and the region. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks, appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be on. Ben, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. Alejandro, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks to Chris for the invitation. Okay, you know, when we talk about fintech, uh, and I guess we'll start with you first, Ben, you know, the, the very concept and idea of fintech can kind of differ depending on where in the world one is. I mean, when, when we talk about it, when we think about fintech, I mean, does it look the same way, say, in Latin America uh, as compared to the United States? And, and, and does fintech in uh, Latin America distinguish itself from, from other regions uh, like like Asia? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Chris. And the answer is that um, Latin America, I think, is unique insofar as it picks up actually a financial set of possibilities that you see in both North America and Western Europe and really the US and Western Europe, as well as the kinds of possibilities that you see in Asia, um, where there are very different metaphors in fintech for how consumers and enterprises are going to engage with next generation financial services. And that exists in part because um, the legacy financial services infrastructure in Latin America is quite different from the legacy financial services infrastructure in both of those regions, or really in all three of those regions, where um, it's much more oligopolistic and it only serves a, a relatively small percentage of the population in contrast. And so it creates opportunity sets that are frankly wider than what we see when we invest in the US and in Europe. And I think that are um, wider in some ways than what you would see if you were just investing in Asia, although that's that's frankly not an area that we specialize in. Um, And one of the things that we think is so fascinating about doing fintech for the next decade in Latin America is that it's a bit of an open question which metaphors will dominate. Will they be Asian style 
sort of super app metaphors and the attendant way financial services roll into that? Or will it look much more like fragmented, you know, point solutions that are being gradually rebundled, which is what you're seeing in the US right now? You know, that that's really interesting and 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 a useful sort of kickoff to the conversation. We've had on the show uh, experts from all over the world, uh, uh, particularly those even talking about fintech in Africa, and they've made sort of a similar intervention. Uh, 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 Jonathan, you know, again, you've you've been a longtime investor and, and observer of Latin America. When when you hear sort of the terms fintech in in Latin America, does that ring a different kind of bell for you uh, than when you think again about uh, different parts of the world. Yeah, so so uh, you know, I think the fintech opportunity in Latin America, going back to the, the question that you posed to, to, to Ben and connecting it to the one you just asked now, is a bit different um, than what we see in the U.S. and Europe because the financial gap is so huge, right? So um, I, you have a very large segment of the of the population that is uh, completely unserved or underserved. Um, so there's a very significant percentage of, uh, of, of consumers across Latin America that don't have bank accounts or don't have access to credit or don't have access to basic financial services that make their lives better. Um, and access to financial services and credit for small and mid-sized businesses is, um, is, is lacking across, across Latin America. Um, so you have, uh, yes, a, a, a great concentration of financial services in a, in a, in a handful of banks. Um, those banks are, um, uh, for example, in, in Brazil, uh, almost 90% of banking assets are controlled by, by, by five banks, right? Um, so there's, there's, and, and those banks have been extraordinarily profitable. Um, some of the most profitable com- uh, banks in, in the world are out of Latin America. So they're actually being quite rational in uh, serving certain segments of the population um, and, and not going down market, not going down to those harder segments to serve. But that's where, te- that's where financial technology comes in, um, leveraging uh, a number of trends that uh, have made the development and deployment of financial services much more, uh, much, much, much cheaper uh, and, and much easier. Uh, namely, the fact that now uh, smartphone penetration across Latin America uh, is, 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 um, uh, is extraordinarily deep. Uh, so you have a lot of these, these segments that are unserved uh, or that are underserved uh, have the power of a computer in their hands. And so that's really, really changed the way that um, uh, some of the new entrants have been thinking about how to reach these underserved um, consumer and small business segments with products designed uh, for them um, and that now can be, again, uh, developed and deployed um, in at, at, a, at a cost that is a fraction of what was even possible, say, five years ago. So that is a, I, I think, when we, when we look at the opportunity in financials in, in Latin America, um, much of it does revolve around this very, this, you know, low-hanging fruit of, uh, of, of, of opportunity um, that, um, uh, that is, is ripe for the taking. So let's take that a bit deeper. Alejandro, we're seeing this massive transformation of financial services, and you were the principal author of the big LATAM report on financial technology, quite literally creating a map and guide to how things are shaping out on a on a country by country basis. With some countries uh, taking leaps in payments, and others in crypto or cloud technology. How much variation are you seeing in terms of where the innovation is happening? Uh, throughout the region? 
as Ben and Jonathan said, when we are analyzing the fintech industry, we need to separate first the global fintechs and the regional in Latin America or emerging countries fintechs. Both, both actors are fintechs, but the activities, the challenges, the opportunities in Latin America, South America or emerging markets is completely different than developing economies. So, um, so that's kind of my first opinion. We need to divide Latin America and the rest of the world. But when we want to really understand the impact and the opportunity of fintechs in Latin America, we need to dig deeper. Because even if it's the same region, we can compare, uh, just to mention the two largest economies, Mexico, Brazil, and Mexico. It's completely different. The necessities or the products and being uh, products and services being effort, uh, offered by fintechs is completely different. So as you said, even though <laughs> I started saying we are a region, but the markets within the region is completely different. And so it's a little bit difficult to connect all the points, but to give a quick answer to your question, there are trends in these five, in the five countries that we analyzed uh, during our uh, LATAM fintech report. And I could uh, tell you personally, for example, in Mexico, I guess it's a, huge opportunity in remittances fintechs. Why? Because one large part of the Mexican economy depends on remittances sent by Mexicans living and working abroad. So having a very good service to send the money that Mexicans are earning abroad to their family in Mexico, that's an excellent opportunity. If we go to another countries, I will <laughs> be giving you another um, another uh, example of opportunity. I will just focus on crypto because you said uh, you mentioned crypto. So one of the markets where I and where we identified very interesting for crypto is um, is Argentina. Why? Because of the currency um, the situations that they have been having uh, for the last decades. So crypto gets very interesting. Mexico, another story. Right? Colombia, <laughs> other side. Yeah, you, you know, that, 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 that is uh, really uh, uh, interesting, particularly taking, uh, you know, your, your, your view and your vantage point as, as, as a uh, consultant and sort of, as I s said, you know, just looking out how, say, in, in one country, uh, certain kinds of industries seem to be dominating, you, uh, you know, Br Brazil, and I'm looking at your report, you, you know, enterprise financial management, you know, is, is, is really big. And then in Mexico, you know, lending and payments, and that's, and that's fascinating. You know, uh, I, I would suppose as a venture capitalist, uh, particularly a venture capital space in the United States, venturing offshore is always um, uh, a little interesting, um, and especially if you're going to venture into something offshore involving financial technology. Uh, Jonathan, like how how did you make your way into this, and 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 was it that layer of differences between countries that attracted you, or was it just a kind of a fintech bug, and and you just saw other parts of the country offering, or excuse me, uh, other parts of the world 
offering really interesting uh, opportunities, and that's what, what brought you to uh, in, in investing in the region. Yeah, so my, my entire career has actually been focused on Latin America. Um, I'm an old Latin America hand. I, I grew up in Spain, grew up in Central America, so Spanish is, is a second first language. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in Argentina, lived in Brazil and elsewhere. So all of my career has been in, in the region and on both sides of the table. Um, so I started out actually with three venture-backed companies in the telecom space, then managed a, a one of the first venture funds for the region um, uh, for the better part of of a decade, then launched to start my own payments company in Brazil, um, and then came back to the uh, to the right side of the table uh, to co-found uh, Fona. But all along, the companies that I've been involved in have been bringing a a, a market approach to solving um, uh, the, the problems of uh, of society and making people's uh, lives better. Right. So and during the during the telecom boom, it was really about laying the infrastructure um, for. Uh, for telecommunications, for uh, internet access, for uh, mobile connectivity, uh, and it was really cool to be a part of that. Be part of companies that scaled really rapidly in that uh, in that space. Um, as as I then moved to the venture side, began to invest in financial services companies kind of early on before it was before it was called fintech. Um, and when I left to start my my my, my payments company in uh, in Brazil. Uh, that was 2010 2011. Fintech wasn't even a term, right? But but that company was focused on bringing uh, um, basically, uh, account services to the unbanked in uh, in Brazil, uh, then called prepaid. Now is kind of morphed into what challenger banking is. So I think as a as a precursor to challenger banking. What I found compelling about then uh, co-founding uh, Quona was um, a- addressing this massive need that people around that people across emerging markets have uh, for access to uh, good quality um, uh, financial services that really do make a, a difference in their lives and make a difference in their businesses. Um, so as I look at Latin America, uh, I saw a, you know, the, the, the foundations set for um, a, a, a truly revolutionary movement um, in, in, uh, in venture investing to support these companies that are addressing massive needs, taking advantage of the fact that the banks, frankly, have been you know, fat and happy and ignoring a lot of segments. Um, and to, to be part of of, uh, of of a venture that both is investing in companies that are are um, are going to deliver amazing returns for investors and are achieving massive scale, and a lot of our companies are doing that, while at the same time uh, having a real positive impact on society, making people's lives better, um, offering them products and services that we take for granted that they don't have access to. Right, so that's <laughs> that's uh, a bit of what uh, what what's motivated me to get to this point, but it's been a you know. I'm an I'm an old guy, right? So this is a, this is a uh, almost a 30 year journey uh, since I started working in, uh, in in Latin America uh, as part of these you know venture backed or venture uh, uh, venture initiatives. And, and and Ben, what what attracted you uh, uh, to 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 fintech in in Latin America? Sure, um, you know fintech itself, I think, is just kind of the inexorable endpoint of of my career. You know, which started as a VC um, in the beginning of the dot com bubble. And then I sort of left the venture business for actually 10 years and um, worked both in the hedge fund space, but also founded uh, what in hindsight would now be called a fintech company. At the time, uh, as Johnson said, there like, weren't really people talking about fintech. Uh, and then came back to the venture business after kind of 10 years away to focus on you know, what I believe is going to be a really generational transformation of the financial services industry globally. And 
you know, um, I, I think of myself honestly as a financial services investor first and a VC second at this point. And it really is the opportunity to just take the the big picture of what's likely we I believe to happen in financial services over the next you know decade or two, um, which is you know a fundamental reinvention in many ways of how financial intermediaries actually function um, and how you know um, the the industry sort of sits between counterparties that want to transact with each other and can now do that with much more efficacy can bring more people into the financial system and can actually create more things that people can transact between each other, all of which is kind of a turbocharge for GDP. Like, you know, the, I think FinTech is going to save the world, right? And um, I think it's going to do that because, um, you know, 10 years ago, there were enormous barriers to enter the financial services industry. It cost a tremendous amount of money to just build a bank, to take deposits. And Jamie Dimon, you know, used to talk about a regulatory moat for J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, in the letter that he put out this week, he's calling for regulation of the fintechs, right? So it went from a moat to an anchor um, in, in not a lot of time. Because what's happened is we are, like one of the early indications of this transformation is that we've taken these very high fixed costs to launch financial services and turned them into variable costs. And it's very analogous to what, say, like Amazon has done with cloud computing. And this, this Latin American market is like the perfect place to kind of apply this, where you have, you know, um, it's, it's five banks in every country in the region, right? And I agree with, with Alejandro, it's very different country by country. It's not always the same five banks, but it's five banks in every country that dominate the share. Very different ecosystem than what you see in the U.S. or what you see... In, in much of Europe, where it's more heterogeneous, this is like the perfect sandbox for new entrants to show up and be disruptive, both by taking out the incumbents and by pulling people who are outside the system in, and at the same time, actually having a real impact on these economies. Because if you think about the classic function of financial services as intermediating transactions and you know, boosting productivity, boosting growth, I think. What we're, what we're going to build with financial technology in Latin America is going to have a profound consequence on the region's overall health and well-being economically as well. Can I just pick up on that idea? Because particularly the, the regulatory moat question and also Jonathan's original observation, uh, you know, again, about the, the, the banking, uh, sort of the banks in Latin America sitting uh, sort of pretty, you know, how, how hard is it? Uh, and I know it, you know, it, really depends country to country. I mean, uh, Mexico, for example, sort of uh, was very active in at least trying to signal to the rest of the world that it was going to take a, a sort of an advanced um, posture on fintech and financial technology, um, also as, as part of an effort to attract foreign direct investment. But like, how hard is it if you do have, you know, a, uh, a handful of legacy uh, banks uh, either regulatorily or, or politically or any other way to sort of enter into an entirely new um, uh, uh, financial ecosystem, whether or not you're, you're a homegrown fintech or, you know, uh, an international fintech. Like, you know, Jonathan, in your experience, like how hard, you know, how much of a barrier is that? I mean, did you see a, 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 a moat, if one will, in Latin, in Latin America that as a venture capitalist you you have to be aware of? Or is it 
does it operate in some way differently than than here in the United States? So um, I think Brazil and its approach to uh, creating space for financial technology companies is uh, an example for many of the other countries in Latin America. Let me explain what I mean. Um, the, 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 the support of the regulator to uh, create the space for fintechs to um, to arise and to thrive um, is uh, can't can't be underestimated. Now, actually, where where that support is is not present, uh, those fintech companies that are able to figure it out end up having a bigger regulatory moat. So you know, at, 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 at some point, that that competition just makes the makes the whole environment more competitive. I, I would say more interesting, but more competitive. But what we've seen in in Brazil is a central bank that has been extraordinarily enlightened. Um, these are our career uh, technocrats, actually very well paid, um, uh, that um, are there for life and whose focus really is about financial inclusion. And they recognize that in order to break the hegemony of these large banks, they need to create space for and support um, a new entrants. Um, and that that has has uh, developed into a really strong conviction over the past few years, with very strong engagement with the fintech uh, leaders and community. Um, and it, it's 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 uh, and there's some very you know concrete and specific examples of what they what they've been able to do. They've created special licenses for uh, new entrants in the lending space, new entrants in the payment space. These are well in well structured, well instrumented licenses with very clear oversight. But also clear rules about how to be able to 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 secure these. They're now pushing forward with full open banking uh, regulation and instant payments regulation, which uh, has forced the banks to allow for instant deductions from any bank account anywhere instantaneously. Um, uh, that was implemented just in the last year. Other countries in Latin America are following uh, Brazil's lead. Um, some successfully, some not so much. Uh, but I do think that um, uh, the that that part of the reason why financial technology has um, really taken off and is coming into its own over the past uh, two th- two three years in Latin America is um, uh, is tied to that to that support um, of the uh, of the of the regulator that makes it pretty clear what you need to do to stay on the right side of regulation and to secure the licenses and such that you need. Taking away that uncertainty, so that you can focus on product and execution, and not on not on these uh, regulatory uncertainties. But that's not it's not a common story across all of Latin America. Some are getting it right, some not. The good thing is the largest country that has the greatest weight um, uh, uh, from from an investment perspective is the one that is far out in front in terms of uh, of, of support for the space. I have to say that I can uh, see where you're coming from. Um, I'm myself. A- personally been to Brasilia and you see up close how the country's central bankers are very tuned into issues of financial technology. Uh, Jumping on to this conversation, Alejandro, clearly technology, GDP, and per capita income can all play an important role in impacting the shape of fintech as well as regulatory innovation. How do you see the mix of factors uh, really shaping up? What what Jonathan said uh, is correct. <laughs> uh, Brazil is being the leader of fintech development in Latin America. Uh, that's hundred uh, percent fine, and we are 
trying <laughs> as a region to connect with that uh, kind of pace of development. Um, just to, to, to complete kind of the regulatory framework, I also see two uh, markets that are developing a kind of roles to play in the fintech aspect or ecosystem in the region. Mexico is one of the few countries with a law for fintech. And Chile, uh, they are actually writing currently the draft in the Congress um, to have the, the first Chilean uh, law fintech this year. But as Jonathan said, this is a little bit different. In Mexico, in Brazil, it's being driven by the Congress, Brazil, by the central bank. So two regulators, but a different vision. So that was just uh, trying to complete what, uh, what Jonathan was saying, because yeah, um, Brazil is the, is the perfect example for, for, for Latin America, but we are following. And as you were saying, um, there are other aspects to analyze the development of fintech. One could be a GDP. So again, if we compare the total numbers of fintechs, of course, Brazil is the largest and the most successful market in Latin America. But um, there are other stories uh, that I could just uh, give our, our listeners. Is for example, the investment, the foreign investment that each one of the markets has received. So, of course, Brazil, the largest economy, also considering GDP, number of fintechs, and also capital raised. But if we connect these three points, we can see that other markets, that if we look at the ratios between GDP and capital raised, there's a preference from the investor community to Brazil. There are other variables, but you can see those numbers and we can ask um, personally the investor community if they are just having kind of a preferred country and missing very interesting opportunities in other countries. And that's just the kind of connecting the um, numbers of uh, GDP capital raised and fintechs. So, yeah, uh, Brazil totally is the largest one, but there are other aspects that we should be looking for. You know, that's a great segue uh, back to, to, to Ben then. In a, in a more concrete venture capitalist uh, uh, standpoint, you know, what do you look for? And, and, and maybe you can give a, maybe a concrete example of, how exactly you go about identifying opportunities uh, in in Latin America, and, and what do the kinds of companies that you look for? What, what kinds of features do they have? I mean, you know, d- d- are you expecting different kinds of returns or, or different kinds of profiles um, as as prospective investments than you would have if you were, you know, uh, doing an investment or, or, or funding, uh, or providing capital for a founder in, in, in New York or, or Iowa? Yeah. Um, it's a great question, Chris. There's a lot of depth to unpack in there. I mean, we, we are, you know, fairly focused on just one thing when we're making investments 
anywhere in the world, which is the quality of the human capital that we're partnering with. Um, we really try to keep it as simple as we can and just back the very best entrepreneurs that we possibly can. Um, and there's a lot that goes into trying to think about what best means. And there's a lot that goes into thinking about how you determine the like whether p- folks are good at the things you're, you're trying to do. But in a really stylized way, you know, companies are just people at the end of the day. They're people making decisions. And we think if we can find folks that are going to consistently make slightly higher than average quality decisions over and over and over again, that compounds over time into a company that will grow faster and be worth more than other companies. At this point, like I think there's a bit of a playbook that's somewhat universal for how to build a high growth company. Um, the playbook has been exported from Silicon Valley all over the world. Now, not everybody knows the playbook as well as others, and it's obviously evolving in real time. And you can't just you know, kind of rip out the plays and run them in Latin America. You have to adapt to the talent on the ground, to the culture on the ground, to the particularities of any given country. In some cases of even cities, we have companies that are, because part of the story in Latin America is mega cities that don't exist really in, in Europe or in the US in the same way that they do there. Um, and the regulatory regime as we've talked about, but really it's about picking the best people that you can. And that's people whose values you believe in, who have a vision and a set of goals that you believe in, people who are attractors of capital and of talent because so much of the way high growth enterprises are built today is they're intentionally run inefficiently from a capital perspective because capital is plentiful and cheap um, in order to grow as fast as possible. And so um, I think we have a specific way of looking for that. I wouldn't say it's fundamentally different, frankly, between what you'd look for for someone in Iowa or in San Francisco or in Los Angeles where we are versus in Bogota or in um, Sao Paulo, it's just that you know you need somebody who who knows the territory, right? Uh, and so you know you wouldn't like in the same way if you're trying to get from one part of town to the other part of town, you, sure you can buy a map, but it's better if you just have somebody who's been there and knows how to do it. Um, and so so we're looking for that. So now we're getting to questions about not only opportunities but also risk. Uh, Jonathan, you've obviously lived around the world and have had experience navigating multiple cultures, regulatory uh, ecosystems, and, and economies. And, and given that rich experience, how do you engage risk, uh, whether economic, uh, political, regulatorily, um, state-backed, you know, with state-backed institutions? Um, uh, and, and again, uh, from this larger macroeconomic perspective, what, what, what specific risks to the region do you see? Yeah, so we are we're we're a global emerging markets um, a fintech fund. So that means that we have the ability to create a portfolio that is di- diversified across regions, across countries. I also think there's a lot of value to being a specialist fintech fund. Uh, financial technology is a massive area. There are a lot of different uh, segments within financial technology, um, uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of innovation, a lot of uh, of of um, we're uh, just really cool things happening, not just in developed markets, but in developing markets, and a lot of cross learnings that can inform us as as investors and add value to our uh, to our portfolio companies as we connect the dots, if you will, to 
between what's going on in Latin America and Southeast Asia and India and, and Africa and the like. So the, the part of our risk mitigation strategy is, is, is geographic diversification. The other is really leveraging off of our understanding of this space to make decisions that also allow us, allow us to create a diversified portfolio across various sectors within fintech. Um, but look, investing in emerging markets, I think it's really important. And this is something that, that um, uh, players that are, have less, of, of, uh, less experience and our commitment to the region sometimes don't understand and they get freaked out when it happens is that crises come in waves in Latin America. They, at least that's been my experience for, for 30 years. And, and I know that this has been the experience in Latin America for, for, uh, for, you know, uh, since, you know, written history. Um, uh, we, we have to expect that this, this is a, a, a region where, um, there is volatility. Um, we need to be aware of that. Um, we need to keep our, um, keep our calm when things get rough, the sun will come out again. Um, there's actually opportunity when things are rough to actually double down, to invest in, uh, in theses and in companies that, um, uh, that, that others are shying away from because they're nervous about the region. I think in the long term, uh, things do go up and to the right, but the volatility is extreme. And I think part of being an emerging market investor and in Latin America in particular is you have to have a strong stomach. Um, and perhaps if you, if you ask me where concerns are, a lot of our companies are scaling very rapidly and they're raising um, uh, capital from international investors who are willing to write big checks for companies that are proven that they, they have that human talent and really have found product market fit, et cetera. Um, I think uh, you know, a, a risk is in those downturns. Those are the first investors to, to pull back, right? So we need to be aware of that and be careful uh, not to get too far out ahead of our skis, um, particularly on, on spend, um, on burn rates, et cetera, um, because you know, this, the, the situation can change um, uh, pretty quickly. We know that there will be uh, periods of, of, of volatility in the future. Um, and so we just need to be keenly aware of that. But that's one of the reasons, again, why we decided to have a global platform rather than just a Latin America platform. Um, uh, and you know, there, there is room in this world for all kinds of strategies. <laughs> that's the strategy we've chosen is, uh, is, is, is to, is to diversify, but also leverage the, the, uh, the platform that is truly global. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Ben. Again, really interesting insight. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Great questions, great discussion. Alejandro, thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation and also for <laughs> to listen to the, the comments from Ben and Jonathan. Excellent experience. Thank you. No one has a monopoly on good ideas or innovation. And Latin America is demonstrating time and again that the region's firms and people are poised to redefine the larger conversation of not only fintech, but also financial inclusion and access. Still, as we heard from our experts, the details matter, as does patience. And because of the vast differences in countries' populations, GDPs, and levels of development, the challenges facing the development of a unified theory of the sector may prove too vast for even the digital economy to broach quickly. But therein, perhaps, lies the beautiful game. 
for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.